We're going to be in Ephesians this morning. I love the book of Ephesians. Normally I would preach this a whole book at one time, but I just felt um, led to go to this one section of chapter 2 this morning. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Father, we thank you for all that you've done this morning. We thank you for all that you're doing. Father, we thank you for what you've done this week. We thank you for the three lives that came to you this week through Awana's Lord. Three new children in Christ that came to salvation. Father, it is awesome to see you working. It is wonderful to see your hand moving in the lives of our children. And Father, we pray that you will continue to move in their hearts and their lives. And Lord, we ask now that you would continue to move in our hearts and lives. Father, don't let the fire in us die down. Lord, rekindle what is burning. Burn a new flame, Lord. Let this not just be a flicker of one flame, but a bonfire that burns in our very soul for you. An excitement and enthusiasm that overwhelms us, that consumes us, Lord, for your love, for your grace, for a relationship with you and none other than you. Jesus, speak into us this morning. Lord, I ask that you'd be in this message. Help me to step out of the way. Father, so you can step in. Speak into our very hearts and our very souls so that we might be made more like you and we can become closer to you in every way of our lives possible. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in chapter 2 of Ephesians, starting at verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that, that done in the body of the hands of men. Remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law, which, is, which its commandments and with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who far away he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. The word of the Lord this morning. It's interesting because everything we do, everything we say has a consequence on our relationship with Christ. Whether it be a positive consequence or a negative consequence. We talked about this some last week. But here we are again seeing that what we say, what we do, how we live, it all has a spiritual consequence. 
Scripture tells us, and Jesus said it, what you loose in heaven, you loose here. What you loose here, you loose in heaven. Whatever you pray for will be let loose here. Whatever you bind up there will be bound here. But your life Your actions, your deeds, will also have a consequence on what's released on the other side. But because of Christ, we live in a continual awareness of where we were and what we have become. This enriches both our life personally as a person and our spiritual walk with Jesus and our obedience to God. Because we have to remember where we came from. It's too easy to start moving forward and say, I'm a Christian, and go, oh, well, none of that back stuff matters. You have to remember where you came from. The problem is, if you don't remember it, then you often treat people different. And God doesn't look at people and say, I'm going to treat you different because here's where you are. God says, I'm going to love you because I want a relationship with you. The human plight is caused, we know this, it is caused by a separation from God. Life comes from him and is to be enjoyed in his presence. The only solution to this plight of a life that we live is proximity to God and Christ. And he is the only one who can change and transform our hearts and our lives. The main message that we see here in this passage this morning is, it is not just for the Jew. You see, there's a division that's happening, Jew and Gentile. Jesus didn't come for one. He came for all. He came for everybody. He came for the Jew. He came for the Gentile. He came for the Mexican. He came for the white. He came for the black. He came for the Asian. He didn't look at where you come from. He looked at where your heart is and who you are. And how when you surrender to him, your life can be transformed and made into something better. Romans 2.29 says, No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. You see, the problem in estrangement is distance. God doesn't move. We do. The reality is is that we say, well, God moved. Uh Uh-uh. We moved. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. You will always find him in the same place. With arms open wide, waiting for you to come home. The solution is a nearness, a relationship with Jesus Christ that is so close you can't tell the difference that is bonded to him so close that when the world looks at you, they see him. You see, now they're talking about circumcision here, and a lot of people think we're talking about the physical act. Aren't you glad this morning we're not talking about the physical act? I understand, I'm thankful I don't remember, but I understand it is not a comfortable experience to be circumcised. But this circumcision is not a physical circumcision. This is a spiritual circumcision of the heart. 
This is a cleansing, a sanctification, a purification that takes the old, that takes the sinful nature and removes it from your heart and replaces it with the love and the grace and the desire to be with Jesus Christ. This should be what we're striving for. We shouldn't be looking at the world going, man, I want more of that. No, we should be looking at the world going, wow, they need more of Jesus. And I know I can share Jesus with them. You heard me pray. We had three young men come to Christ on Wednesday night. I'm so excited. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen with Awanas. Three young men came to Jesus Christ on Wednesday night. I shared with Judy. One of them was Jacoby. That young man sits down on Wednesday night. Billy can tell you, what's the Bible verse? He grabs the closest slip of paper and he starts writing it down. He asks questions. He wants to know. Two others, same thing. These kids are soaking this stuff up. Are they perfect? No. Are they struggling? Yes. Do they need the love and grace of Jesus Christ? Yes. Do they need a family that will walk with them to show them what it means to love Jesus? Yes. Guess what? If you're circumcised in the heart... For Jesus Christ, it is your job to get out of the pew and walk with these young men, walk with these young women, to show them what it means to live for Jesus Christ, to show them what it means to have a relationship that is so close to Jesus. You see Jesus, you speak Jesus, you pour love into everything. No matter the situation. Jeremiah 20, or Jeremiah 9, 25 and 26 says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all who are circumcised only in the flesh. Egypt, Judah, Edom, Amom, Moab, and all who live in the desert and the distant places. For all those nations are really uncircumcised. And even the whole house of Israel is uncircumcised in heart. Do you see what God is saying? It's not about the physical circumcision. This is why Peter and Paul had such a problem. Peter, real, Peter didn't realize that the physical wasn't as important as the spiritual. Paul knew it. And so the two of them had an argument about circumcision. If you remember in the New Testament, there was a while there, you, you probably would have thought that Peter and Paul were going to have a knockdown, drag out fight over this. But love and grace prevailed, and Jesus prevailed. When our heart has been circumcised for Christ, then our life is transformed because we allow the work of the Spirit to take hold in our lives. You see, the circumcision opens us up for the Spirit to come in. Otherwise, your heart is closed. The things of the world have built a wall. But when your heart is purified and sanctified and your heart is circumcised for the Lord, the wall is gone. And God says, here, let me pour my love into you. Let me fill you with my grace. You see, Christ becomes our peace. He makes peace and he proclaims peace. Peace and reconciliation take on both a horizontal and a vertical place in our lives because of the transformed nature of Jesus Christ. 
And this becomes important to us because God is always reconciling people to Him. Even when people are hostile to God, and even when God is angry, His love is always seeking a way to restore what has been broken and what has been lost. And because of that example, we should always be seeking in prayer and thought and word and deed to restore what has been broken and what has been lost. Through His name, through His grace, through His love. Thus, the result of this reconciliation that God has done is an access, a privilege to enter His presence. Because of the reconciliation of Jesus Christ, the curtain in the temple is torn, and we can approach the throne of grace if we are purified and sanctified and repentant. Colossians 1.20, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It's because of his blood that we are reconciled and transformed. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is through Jesus Christ. Christ and only Jesus Christ that we can be circumcised of heart and purified and sanctified and be filled with his Holy Spirit. Now a second thing happens after this process. We no longer become strangers. Now you think, well, pastor, hold on. You say we're strangers in a foreign land. Well, yes, you are a stranger in a foreign land if you are a child of God because this is not your home. But the good news is you already have a home and you're moving towards it. So you are not a stranger to your brothers and sisters. Because you've been reconciled by Christ and filled with His peace, now you have a family in the home of Jesus Christ, in the church and in the kingdom. Isaiah 57, 18 and 19 says, I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. The Lord wants to heal His people to rebuild His kingdom, and He wants you to be part of it. Part of this process isn't just to say, okay, good, I've done a good work in you, I can set you aside. No, it's to put you into the family. It's to make you part of the family. You know what happens in families? We bicker, we argue, we fight. Isn't that wonderful? If anybody had a perfect family that never had any of that in it, please see me after church because I want to know how it worked. Um, but you know what the reality is with family? We do all those things, but because of Jesus Christ, we come back together and say, you know what, brother, you know what, sister, I'm sorry. How can we do what God wants? And how can we be stronger for it? How can we be part of the solution and not part of the problem? Because of what Christ has done for us, we are brought into a relationship with Christ. This connects us to the body of Christ and we become one family. Through His grace, we are not only connected to Christ, but to each other. 
One of the main messages here is that both Jew and Gentile are on the same footing. Think about that. Jew and Gentile on the same footing with God. Paducah and Mayfield, same footing with God. Kentucky, Washington, same footing with God. United States and Israel, same footing with God. And look at the location. He looks at the heart. He looks at the person. He says, come, be part of the family. The purpose of this new being is to create peace and unity among everybody to take a divided people and reconcile them in Christ to be unified and a worshiping community that brings Jesus Christ to the heart of everything. Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? I love this. I love it. I really do. I love it as I, as I, as I read revelations and I read studies on this. I just, I can't wait because I, I think it's fun. I grew up and, you know, we talk about the fact that when I get to heaven, I'm going to go get to see grandma and I'm going to get to sit on grandma's lap again and, and oh, I have all these stories. Well, you know, the reality is, is that as you read scripture, scripture is going to be one big worship service. So if you're not happy in worship on a Sunday morning, I got bad news for you. When you get there, you're not going to be happy because it's going to be one big worship service. (laughs) Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I mean, the seraphim, cherubim are already singing. So we might as well get used to it. You know, it doesn't matter what the voices sound like. It matters who we worship. Where is our focus? We get so drug off in the weeds that that we look at a he versus she mentality or him versus him mentality, um, group versus group mentality, and the result is we fight, we bicker, we draw battle lines. But in the kingdom, there are no battle lines. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's one battle line, and that's to stand against the devil. But when it comes to his kingdom... There is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no Baptist, there is no Nazarene. There is no Catholic, there is no Wesleyan. There is kingdom. Because he is Lord Most High. Who who created denominations? We did. There's nothing in this book that says, okay, and then in this time period, I will create this denomination. You want to know why denominations were created? Because we couldn't get along. Imagine what his church could do if every denomination got on the same page. Imagine the transformation to the world that would happen. Imagine the kingdom that would come. And guys, that's what he wants to start right here in Paducah Church of the Nazarene. I love Renee's heart as NMI director. She's talked to me about, Pastor, can we partner with other churches? Yeah, can we get on the same page and do things? You can ask her. This is what I've told her. As long as we're not fighting dogma and doctrine, I don't have a problem with it. Let's work together to change our community. Can we come together and pray together, different denominational pastors? Well, if you don't already know the answer to that, talk to Carl after service and me. So, you know, we can come together. We can pray because we're brothers in Christ. You want to tell me that I can't work with the Catholic church down the street versus, versus another Nazarene church? I'm going to ask you, what did Jesus do? It's kingdom. We work to meet a goal. We work to meet a need. We work together. And we do this inside the church too. That means that, that we may not get along on everything. Bart and I don't agree on everything. 
I mean, Bart likes basketball. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. I don't have a problem with basketball, but I'm just not a big sports fan. But, you know, it's okay. I mean, I got teased by Shirley Tuesday night at the board meeting. You know UK is playing tonight, Pastor? Okay. <laughs> you know what? I think that's great. It's just not a big thing for me. But I don't love Shirley any less. I don't love Bart any less. You know? We're going to have problems. We work through it. We come out the other side stronger because Jesus Christ was at the center of the reconciliation and restoration. The only time we don't come out stronger is when one side decides to raise the white flag and walk away and quit or decides to keep fighting because the Spirit will not reside where He is not welcome. He will pick up and He will move on. Well, there's something else that happens, and I just alluded to that, is that the Spirit has to be able to dwell in us because these walls get broken down because of the circumcision of the heart, because of sanctification, it allows the Spirit to come and dwell in us. Because He lives in us, we become forever changed. Jesus Christ occupies this space in our hearts and in our lives. Scripturally, we call it the cornerstone. And I love this example because if you study buildings um, in architecture, the cornerstone is the corner piece that takes the bulk of the load. I mean, it is the strongest point in the building. If something happens to the cornerstone, the rest of the building will crumble. And there are actually studies of such stones that were found in Palestine that weigh as much as 570 tons. Now, let's not even try and figure out how they moved something like that back then. But imagine a cornerstone that weighs that much. How much can it take? And Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. And think about everything he takes from us. I love the fact that people say, well, God will do X, Y, and Z. And Jesus says, yeah, I'll do it. But will you trust me? Will you let go? Will you let me be your cornerstone? Will you stop whining and show up? Will you put in the work? Will you do it my way instead of your way? Because if you'll do it, then my spirit will descend. And I guarantee you, lives and hearts will be transformed. Not just yours, but those I put you in contact with. Three young children Wednesday night. Saved to Christ. I can guarantee you there are others in that group who are ready that are sitting on the verge. Think of the potential. This isn't just the next generation. This is Christ being shared into the lives of kids who otherwise, because of our willingness to love them, had we not risked it all and stepped out, these kids would not have had the opportunity to know Jesus. And where we bring them in from I can tell you no other church is reaching out to them. We have the opportunity this summer to step in. Carl and I have been able to uh, get contact with the housing authority. They don't allow groups to go into elemental court. We've been told that if we ask for permission, we'll be granted access. Now the question comes, are we brave enough to step out and go down there and minister to not just the kids, but to love on their families? The question is, are we willing to say, Holy Spirit, we know you're here in this place, in this building, but Lord, we're tired of being in the building. 
We're ready to step outside. We're ready to step on the waves. We're ready to get out of the boat and to get into the waves and to take you with us to transform this city for you. Because this is what it's about. It's taking the Holy Spirit out of this place and not just leaving him here. It's taking that cornerstone and saying, Jesus, we don't want you to just be a cornerstone of a physical building. We want you to be the cornerstone of our ministry, our lives, everywhere we go. Psalms 87.1, he has set his foundation on the holy mountains. Matthew 7.24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Will we live a life that shows a commitment to Christ, a commitment to his foundry, a commitment to the foundation that he has given us and step out in faith? And love. Will we stop looking at the negative? Will we stop looking at each other and start looking at where we can take his gospel message of love and grace and hope and how lives can be transformed and changed because of a willingness to go? Not only does he live in us, but he transforms our life by making us part of his temple. Did you hear that? You are part of his temple. Your body, Scripture tells us, your body is part of His temple. Wow. Well, Pastor, what do you mean? How you treat your body should be how you would treat Christ's body. What you put into not only your heart, but in your mouth, in your ears, in your eyes should be what you would want to show Christ. First Peter start, uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 5, You also, like living stones, are built into a spiritual house to be, holy, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are built and designed to be a mobile temple for Jesus Christ. When you leave this place, you don't leave the church. You are the church. You don't leave God here and say, okay, God, I'll see you on Wednesday. I'll see you Sunday night. I'll see you next Sunday morning. No, you take God with you. Leave it up there, Billy. You, you take him with you because you are his temple. So how are you living you see, we all belong to Jesus when we make that commitment, but there's some questions we need to ask ourselves. If he is dwelling in us and he dwells in our bodies, then how do we treat them? What should people see when they see us? How should we act when we're out in the world? What should the world hear when we speak? They're all good questions if we're to be the temple of Jesus Christ. So then that leaves us with these questions that I want you to take and ponder this week. And I'm going to leave you with a song when we close today. I have it loaded. Um, I want you just to sit and listen. 
But let me leave these questions. Who do you truly belong to? Who does the world see when they see you? Who do they hear when you open your mouth to speak? Do they hear Jesus? Or do they hear someone that speaks like the world? Are there people in your life that you need to spend some time working through reconciliation with? You see, when we take communion, we reference the fact that when you come to take communion, you need to have worked through reconciliation with others. Because if you come and you take part in communion with a guilty conscience, it's a sin. It is better to skip communion than come with an unclean heart and lie to God and the Holy Spirit. Are there people in your life that you have to reconcile with, that you have to work through things with? Now, I understand sometimes it takes, it takes two to tangle. Let's be honest, okay? Sometimes the other person doesn't want to reconcile. But have you done everything that God has called you to do? Have you worked through the process of reconciliation? And if you have, even if that other person has not agreed to reconcile, are you praying positively for that person? One of the best things you can do when somebody hurts you and they won't reconcile is to pray blessings on that person. It's also one of the hardest things you can do. Lord, I just want you to bless them to overflowing. Lord, I want you to bless them until all they can do is fall on their face in front of you and say, oh Lord, thank you. You are holy. You are mighty. Because you know what? When you do that, it's no longer you they're responsible to. It's Him. And when they come back eventually, because let's be honest, if they're open to the Spirit, eventually they'll come back and they'll want to reconcile. And they may come back and they may say, you know, Bart, I, I'm, I'm so sorry I wouldn't reconcile with you then. You know, the good news is, is you can say, hey, thanks for coming and talking to me. But you know what? I want to tell you I forgave you years ago. And it's between you and Jesus. But I'm glad you're home, brother or sister. Now let's rebuild our relationship. Do you have somebody you need to work through that process with? Because belonging to the family means that we work to restoring and reconciling our relationships with each other. So this week, let me leave you with this question. What will people remember about you when you pass away? Will they remember a life lived for Jesus? Or will they remember you as the world sees you? Let me leave you with this video this morning, and then we'll close in prayer. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. And I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail pierced hands.
Father, we come before you this morning. Father, all we want is you. More of you, less of me. More of you, less of us. Father, whatever there is that stands in the way, we ask that this morning you would just show us. We ask that you would help us to bring it and lay it down at Your feet to give it to You. Father, if there are relationships that are hurting, relationships that are struggling or broken, Father, we pray that You would work in us and through us to restore those relationships. And Father, if if that can't happen, then Lord, we pray that you, You give us a heart of love and grace that will pray for blessings for that person and a heart to give them to You. Father, may we leave this place not not going looking for lunch, but looking for hearts and lives that we can share Your love and grace with. May we leave this place with, with eyes that see people as You see them hearts that that hear what you hear lord and hands that want to reach out in love to share your gospel with each and every person we come in contact with father we ask for a new indwelling of your spirit this morning father just pour into us afresh and anew restore us renew us Lord, we'd rather have you. We'd rather have you than anything this world can give us. Lord, may our lives, our hearts, our families show that. May we live it, breathe it from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed at night. 
May our hearts and our lives be surrounded in a relationship with you. Go with us this week. In your name we pray. Amen.